Welcome to episode 43 of Re-Educating Dad. We have a very different episode for you this week. Uh, I started this podcast with my daughter, Little Tone, uh, back when lockdown started in March in the UK. Lockdown started in the UK in March. And we came up with this podcast idea. Um, Essentially, I think she wanted to beat up on her dad. Uh, with her rather, shall I say, left-wing views. Um, And uh, she thought it would be a great idea for us to uh, have a public, or make our public quarrels, make our private quarrels public, I suppose is the way (laughs) to put it. Uh, So we've been doing that for uh, a long time now. It's almost coming up a year, I guess. Uh, We're nearly around to March again. Uh, Along that journey, we were joined by my grandson Ben and uh, I had a conversation with him uh, not long ago which uh, I will get back to in a moment but uh, he's been a very welcome member of our podcasting team. This is a cross-generational talk show uh, which we bring into stark focus how people think differently depending on whereabouts they are on the age scale. I'm at the great age of mid-60s Ben has just uh, qualified as an adult and uh, is looking forward to uh, starting university very soon. Uh, And then we had Tony in the middle. She's a 30-something. So each of us has quite different views. So recently, um, so what I should first of all say is that this episode, we are absent Little Tone. Little, Little Tone has had a really bad experience with COVID. She, uh, she got the disease by taking a trip into London, we think, um, and uh, getting one of the variants that are easily spread. She went down heavily with it. She ended up making a couple of trips into A&E, didn't ever get to be admitted to hospital, thank goodness. She did have breathing difficulties, and then she uh, got the long COVID, as they call it, and recently, because she's in the vulnerable group, because uh, she has an uh, autoimmune um, issue, uh, uh, because she was in the shielding group, she was vaccinated early on. Uh, but the vaccine itself has hit her badly. And at the moment, she's having only been recently vaccinated. She is suffering the effects of the vaccination. So we're without her today. But I thought I'd take this opportunity of having a one-on-one with my grandson, Ben, uh, because we had a conversation, a post-show conversation recently, in which I understood him to say that his views were uh, inclined towards Labour, but I think he's going to correct me on that, which is fine. I'm here to be corrected after all it is re-educating dad. <laughs> uh, and he's, I think he's going to say something slightly different. But I, I'm interested in this topic because I've had a lot of discussions with Tony and some of her political views have really quite surprised me. But not only hers, I've got four daughters, um, but others in the family, uh, you know, because we sort of come from a traditional, or I come from a traditional sort of Tory voting uh, family. Um, And uh, 
it seems that my daughters have, 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 and, and their uh, partners uh, have gravitated towards quite a left-wing kind of platform. And I, I'm not really somebody who likes these left versus right labels because I think it's more of a per-issue thing. I'm some, on some issues, I could be regarded as leaning right. On others, um, uh, you, I, you know, I would find myself more in a left camp. But I wanted to really probe Ben's uh, opinions because, uh, and where they come from, really, because, uh, well, without me going on chuntering away like this, let's hear from directly from Ben. So, hi, Ben. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm doing a lot better because I, um, than re- recent weeks, just because uh, I can see a clear path to recovery now with, in terms of me going back to school and everything, or college, I should say. Um, so everything's slightly looking on the up, so doing, doing better, thanks. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Do you have any clear ideas as to when we might get out of this lockdown? Because the government <laughs> doesn't seem to. <laughs> no, I can't. I, yeah, I can't predict for them because they don't even know what they're, what they, they're doing. So it would be impossible for me to know what they're doing. Well, I think you'd have that dead right. So let's hear from you, Ben, as to what really, what, what your sort of political feelings, thoughts are and where you thought they came from, I guess. Um. Well, I, I, same as you, I, I dislike the labels of um, of Tory, uh, Tory Labour, left wing, right wing, just because, like you said, I I think my opinions vary differently depending on what sort of um, topic we're talking about. I guess if if I had to label myself, because I don't want to fence it the entire podcast, um, <laughs> I guess I would be uh, left centre. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, I, to be honest, I couldn't tell you where my where they come from. I I think it. I've gone through. I used to be a lot. Um, I think I used to be a lot more right wing when I was younger, and I went through um, sort of a. Uh, I, d- I don't want to be cliche or or over dramatic and call it an awakening or anything, but like I I think as I've grown older I've become and I've spoken to more and more more people and I've experienced more I've become slightly more um empathetic I think to other people's views uh and that has made me be a lot more moderate um I would say that uh I'm libertarian I think that's one thing that's one common ground we do share is that I think that overall the government is incompetent at most things and um and they're Therefore, they should try and stay out of as many issues as possible. Uh, that's that's basically the the summary well, of what I think. Why don't we start with just so that we we know that we're talking about the same things? Mm. Why, why don't we start with you telling me what you think left? What, what to you left wing and right wing mean? Oh, that's going to be <laughs> very difficult. Um, to me. To me, left wing is um, oh, uh, that's so hard. To to me, left wing is uh is socially progressive and uh, economically um, for for the people. I think. Whereas whereas I think I think uh, the fundamental uh, like ideology behind 
conservatism and right wing is the harder you work, the more you get out of what you work in, in terms of economics anyways. And, um, and I think generally I don't want to stereotype, but um, conservatism is a lot more um, um, stag stagnant in its um, uh, social views. Um, but again, it's uh, they're they're very wide topics and they're uh, very wide areas that have lots of different minutiae. So it's hard to define them. Well, I'm not surprised that you struggle uh, really to to say because I think I've struggled most of my life with it as well. Um, mm. uh, I, I thought I'd go back to the sort of strip back to the origins of left and white right. I don't know if this is something you've looked at briefly, but um, the. As I understand it, the left and the right um, I idea, concept, I should say, uh, comes from the French Revolution. All right. Because when the, the French people, uh, very understandably in the circumstances, rose up against their monarchy, you know, the let them eat yeah. cake brigade, <laughs> uh, they, the ones that were on the left were pro-change and anti-monarchy and the ones that were on the right were the laissez-faire, leave well alone, uh, wanting to keep things the same establishment type. Mm. And I, I think the left and right label only came about because in the assembly, the, the French assembly, those that felt with the, on the, uh, in favour of the revolution, sat on the left side of the aisle, oh, and the wow. other sat on the right side of the aisle. I think it's as simple as that. Our listeners, I'm sure there'll be people in our listeners that uh, know much better than I do, but I think that's where where it comes from. Uh, I well, the reason I asked you where your where your ideas sort of came from is because I tend to think, or it's been my experience, that people on the whole tend to vote like their parents. So it's a bit mm. like religion. You know, yeah. if, if you were brought up in a certain you know, faith, um, you're more likely perhaps to continue in that faith and to believe in that faith, which and that's entirely understandable. And I, th I think it's likely to be similar with um, politics, and it was so in my case, because my father, you know, was a very, very hardworking man, ran his own business, you know, believed in you get what you sort of deserve, like you were saying, out of the work that you put in. Yeah. Um, and I sort of inherited that. So when I was your age, or shortly perhaps after your age, I entered the world of work. Now, I had intended to be a barrister when I was at school. I, I loved the law. I loved arguing, surprise, surprise. <laughs> That's so, what appeals you know, to law about me, <laughs> to me. Okay, so we're perhaps similar in many ways. <laughs> um, and uh, so and I went into the world of work very early because my father was in a, something of a financial pickle, uh, and uh, he needed... He, he basically needed me <laughs> um, and he needed a family member that he could trust in the business that would work there, you know, what's off uh, yeah. for next to nothing. <laughs> uh, and uh, I fit the bill. 
So I had to abandon my um, legal, um, what's the word? Aspirations. That's the word, thank you. I was looking for that word. I knew it began with A and I couldn't think <laughs> Good. Um, so I, I abandoned that and went straight into the, wor- the world of work. And I found that I took to the idea of business very easily. I, I really enjoyed business, doing business. And this was at a time when I think it was Edward Heath was, was the prime minister at the time, a conservative prime minister, but not a very courageous forthright leader. Um, and it was a time when the, you've, you probably heard or read or learnt about the coal miners strike. Yeah. So it was the, the, the coal miners were very, very strong. They had a very, very strong union. And what we, what we were experiencing, and I remember, I can see it now in the office that, we, you know, that I was working in, in London, is we, we were trying to work a lot of the time by candlelight. Because when the miners, were, when the miners struck, um, they basically the, the plug was pulled on all power. Yeah. So we had large chunks of the day that we didn't have any power. Not because there was any lack of resources, but simply <laughs> because there was a, you know, a bloody-minded group of people who were determined to get their way. And I'm not saying that they didn't have um, just grievances or understandable grievances, but they didn't endear themselves to the public, let's put it that way, <laughs> for the reasons that I've, I've said. Yeah. And uh, long story short, um, eventually... Margaret Thatcher took over, which is a name I'm sure that you have heard. In infamy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was a, she was a hero to me mm. um, because she was, you know, she, she came in as somebody with a very strong personality and the ability to get things done, which was very badly needed. Mm. Uh, so, so I... There was a lot of nationalization at the time. So the railways were nationalized. The post office was nationalized. uh, The telephone system was nationalized. So to give you an idea, Ben, I was trying to put a phone system in our company about that time. So I was sort of taking the leadership of that project. And I literally had to bribe the workmen. (laughs) So we were paying a lot of money for the phone system. But in order to get them to do the work so that we didn't, you know, so that we could actually do business, I actually had to bribe them. (laughs) Uh, Because otherwise they would, they would sort of go home at three o'clock and get very little done. And, Mm. you know, the phone system was the absolute sort of lifeblood of our business. So that, that was the reality. Um, So when Margaret Thatcher won the election, uh, we had a dog called Major, and I sat up all night listening to the uh, election results. And every time a Tory seat was won, you know, in, in Margaret Thatcher's camp, I would take a swig of my whiskey sour and I would hug the dog. <laughs> the dog got quite frightened by the end of the night. <laughs> but it was a, you know, it was a great, it was a great day. And now, of course, she is 
Margaret Thatcher is largely derided because, you know, the, the zeitgeist has moved very much more to the left. Mm. Um, but it, it came as quite a shock to me when I learned that my, my, my offspring, as it were, had, had not only become left, not, you know, and that's fine, they'd moved more to the left, and I think that's a natural thing. I think that's the natural direction of travel. Even in my own political views, that has been the natural direction of travel. Mm. But when they were sort of embracing the Corbyn ideas, I was literally, you know... <laughs> at a loss because nationalization or, you know, all these things were on. I, I saw him as absolutely going back, <laughs> wanting <laughs> to go back to those days. And I, and the last thing I thought the country needs is that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was very interested to hear, uh, you know, because those that have listened to this podcast since the beginning will have heard sort of the discussions that Tony and I have had. And uh, some of them, you know, have really quite s surprised me um, as, as to her views and so on. So when I heard that you were perhaps of a similar persuasion, I just wanted to not to have an argument, but I, I really wanted to um, just find out what was going on in your mind. But it, it seems as though your views are actually very much closer to mine. Um, yeah, I would say... Um, I equally disliked um, Corbyn, perhaps for different reasons. Um, as you, are. the main two reasons was um, I thought he was a um, he. Th there's not enough evidence to suggest that he was anti-Semitic, but he. I think he certainly facilitated it within the within the Labour Party, um, and for that um, I strongly disliked him, as well as um, the whole um, redoing the vote on Brexit. I thought, um, despite despite what um, beliefs you had on whether like stay or remain in Brexit, I think that doing a doing a re um, redoing the vote would have just been in the face of democracy, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. for that, for those two reasons, I was against um, I was against Corbyn, um, and and I think I think my political opinions uh, the there was also another thing i wanted to mention that my my parents you mentioned your parents being sort of like the reason for your political um political idea uh, beliefs my parents are largely apolitical i guess you would say right um my my i don't think my dad is political at all at least we haven't had any discussions about it and then my mum um while um, I do believe that she's slightly left-leaning, still is not very political. And she does work for the NHS. So that may be a reason for me being slightly left-leaning in my, in my beliefs, because I've seen her strife with the NHS and the underfunding and the, um, and the problems that she's had with it. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that as a young person, I think young people are generally more... Um, left-leaning um i i had a i had an old history teacher that said everyone everyone is uh starts off left uh left-leaning and then they get their first paycheck and then they book <laughs> and then they suddenly become um conservative uh i don't believe it's the case for to that extent but i do think that um 
part of my left leaning is also to do with uh, how young I am. And I've seen the problems with university debts and stuff because I can relate more to people who've gone through that problems because they're close to my age than perhaps yourself. My, my father always used to say that people vote with their wallets. Mm. So in other words, they vote according to what would benefit their financial position. What Margaret Thatcher's sort of masterstroke was, and I just preface this by saying she was basically a grocer's daughter. So she, was, she, she didn't come from the usual, you know, sort of... Eton University. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, rich. She didn't come from a rich family that are dripping with estates and yeah. Rolls Royces. Um, she, she, she was very much a grafter, you know, with a, with a family that grafted and, and ran a little corner shop or whatever. But she had a masterstroke. And the masterstroke was this. What she introduced, um, her platform really, was to enable people who lived in council houses to do what? Uh, oh, buy their houses. I don't know this one. Brilliant. Well done. So they, they bought their houses at a very discounted rate. Very discounted. Mm. Yeah. And it was a masterstroke because on the one hand, she was getting rid of a whole tranche of government people who were p- pushing pencils around and, you know, supposedly supposed to do, do, do the repairs and all these sort of things. And, of course, they were bloody useless. <laughs> um so the, all, those, all those responsibilities would then fall on the tenant, but the tenant therefore had to be rewarded in a big way for taking that on. And the way that they were rewarded is that they were going to get their property for a very knockdown price. Mm. And they did very well. But what was the, why that was a masterstroke is because it, it effectively bought a whole load of votes and, and bought into her, under her wing or into her supporter group, all these new supporters, you know, all these new fans, uh, yeah. and also giving them the ability to, to have a much better life. Because most people make most of their money through their property. <laughs> you know, just a fact of life. Yeah. Um, so I think that was a, that, I think that was a brilliant thing to do. And I think that that really says a lot about conservatism is that it wants conservatism wants to give people the ability to make their own make their own way in life whereas the other way and i don't know whether i'd call it a left way or whatever but the the other way the big government way is that sort of big government is like your super parent mm. for the, for life that you know that will look after you and you know, but uh, but that has comes with enormous cost and get and sort of what, whatever your views are about things like the NHS and mine are certainly very supportive of the NHS. I think, I think it's a marvelous thing, you know, benefit that we have, whatever your views are about that or whether it be about social security, you know, welfare benefits or whatever, whatever it may be, none of that is possible without wealth which has to be created. Yeah. So my way of thinking is you, you have to put the circumstances in place that enable individuals to create wealth, create jobs. And I think 
you know, one of the reasons that we, we are in, one of the reasons that we are in the position that we're in, in terms of being able to furlough people, provide support, and I know there's a lot of criticisms about the support and, that, and they're justified in many cases, but we have at least got the resources. And the reason that we've got resources is, because, is, is primarily because conservative policies have been followed for a long time, which have built up reserves, what is now very fashionable, fashionably called headroom. The chancellor has headroom to do this and headroom to do that. Uh, that is only possible with wealth creation, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, and that, and this and this again goes back to why I don't like to um, label myself as anything because because what you just what you just said makes makes sense to me, and I think I, I agree I agree with that, and I agree that um, that there there needs to be a balance between um, like keeping the economy um, thriving and keeping businesses going well, but you also need to protect um, the protect the poorer and, and less fortunate people in, in the country. Um, which I, I, so that those are two maybe conflicting uh, views, but I also think that there needs to be a balance in those two, in those two beliefs, in those two. Well, they, they, yeah, I, and they appear to be conflicting, don't they? But actually, they, yeah. they shouldn't be. Yeah, and, no, and, no. And the, the problem is that this left versus right ideological argument sort of highlights, does present that as a, it's this way or that way. And, you know, and they will argue, and in fact, I think it's horrible watching politics you know, you, you, you see one side lambast the other side, and then you see the other side do the same back at the other side. And what yeah. I think what the public really wants to see is, is a consens consensual approach to these problems. Because really, that really what we're dealing with is a series of problems that have to be solved. What's the best way of solving it? Uh, so, you know... I think it's much better to have the discussions on a issue by issue basis. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that we have to have wealth creation uh, mm -hmm. in order to pay for things. We have yeah. to have that. I mean, uh, I think we can all agree that we would like a national health service that can cope with everything that it needs to cope with. I think we have, to, we would all agree that if any of us fall sick, we would like, you know, to, to have a safety net to fall back on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But all of those things come back to having the resources to be able to do those things. How do those resources exist? Well, there's only, there's only two ways, one of really two ways. In the, you, either get, you either get individuals to create wealth and then you tax them, um, or you have a communist type of, you know, the government owns everything, nationalize every damn thing approach. And we all know where that leads. I mean, because the, the, that particular experiment has failed everywhere it's been tried in the world. And yet people keep saying <laughs> that's the way to go. So, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's sort of, that's the kind of way I look at it. But um, it, it's good to hear, it's good to hear your views and to, uh, I, you know, I think, I think we're, 
I think, and I suspected we would be from the, from things that you've said in the past, that we would be sort of of the same view. What are your views, by the way, on defence and nuclear deterrent, that sort of thing? Um, my on on nuclear deterrent, I believe that in in a in an I ideal world everyone would get rid of the nuclear bomb and it would and we could all live happily ever after and it'd be and it'd be peaceful but i I just think that there's always going to be um um there's always going to be someone that is an enemy uh, or like a um not an evil i don't uh but like yeah as an evil group that that wants to use nuclear bombs uh for nefarious reasons and i think for that reason you have to have a nuclear deterrent it doesn't mean that you ha have to use them it's not we're not by having nuclear bombs we're not saying we, we as soon as any problem comes up we're going to bomb you it's just something that you have to have in this day and age regarding like considering what everyone else has what all the other countries have but with with defense as a whole it's difficult because i, I think defense is is a is a good source for jobs it gives lots of people jobs it gives a, um uh not just working for the army but like manufacturing and everything like that but i also think that uh you can go too far and you can see in america that spent they they spend ridiculous amounts of money on on a military which i think personally is is uh unneeded not the military as a whole but the amount well, of the amount of spending that they put into it wouldn't you have to look at that, Ben, in the context of World War Two or the history? If you think about, you know, I would love to have the opportunity one day, perhaps, to take you and your your brother to uh, Normandy. I don't. Have you seen? Have you seen uh, Saving Private Ryan? I have not. No, I need to see that. Though. Well, I would strongly recommend it mm. um, because. The thing is, as as we get further away, I've had no war in my lifetime, you know, not, not, not a war that's touched me that I've had to be involved with, but my father was. My father spent his, in, you know, a great deal of, a great many years in a prisoner of war camp. And of course, he came back to his family house and found that it had been bombed and everybody had died in it. Mm. Um, everybody who was living there died in it. Um, and that really uh, scarred his whole life, really, that that trauma but you think but recent not not many years ago we went over to normandy and saw the beaches of the d-day landing where the d-day landing happened and heard all about the history and went to the the graves and the american cemeteries fantastic and we even went to the germany german cemetery and so on and when you sort of get immersed in that history and you realize that it really only takes one perhaps one idea log with an evil idea uh to cause well i mean we could we, i think we can agree that we would be we would be an enslaved people were it not for the americans i mean you know churchill did a great job and the, mm. and the british army did a great job but we wouldn't have won without bringing the americans in would we no no definitely uh, certainly not and and uh, so that reality, I think, has has to inform decisions that we take now, because because you've got people like Vladimir Putin who's prepared to send people 
onto UK soil and in order to exterminate people as, as, as happened in Salisbury. Yeah. Uh, you've got people who are prepared to do that. You've got, um, you know, you've got ISIS and uh, who may well acquire, you know, all those sort of groups are going to, at some point, probably going to be able to acquire uh, awful technology that, well, technology that's capable of doing awful damage uh, to the world. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to have an answer to that, haven't you? And what you can say for the Americans is that they, you know, they have been a fantastic ally. Yeah. Um, when we've needed them. And, and really, they're the only, we don't pay, for, I mean, even though we pay much more than any European, you know, well, most European countries, if not all European countries, into the defense budget of NATO, um, it's, it's, it's a drop in the ocean compared to what America does. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so if we found ourselves in a, that sort of situation again, which heaven forbid we won't, but if we did find ourselves in that position again, you know, we would be looking to America as actually most of Europe were. And, yeah. and Europe was saved, really, by the American intervention. I, I, can, I can see that. I can see that. It's, uh, it's difficult because you see all this money being spent for the, for the mili- uh, for the, to the military, and you, you just think, like, we're not in any wars right now. I, I'm, I'm walking around outside fine, and, and you think, why are we spending this many millions into the defense? But you're right, there are... There, there are organizations out there that would like to harm harm us. Well, um, that, that, that idea, Ben, of, of it being, you know, rather a remote possibility that we will, we will need all these, you know, nuclear warheads and so on and so forth, that kind of thinking is, has been applied to the pandemic. We've always known that the pandemic is the biggest kind of threat, or yeah. sorry, most likely kind of uh, uh, existential threat that we would, we would face. And and yet we folded up our tents. I mean, you know, we 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 didn't bother, did we? I mean, no. that's really why the world is in the mess that it's in. It's because we didn't listen to people like Bill Gates and the various pan, you know pandemic experts who were saying many of whom were behind that film. What's it called? Begins with C. Um, can't think of it at the moment. But there's a film that basically predicts all this, uh, you know, yeah. that takes you through what would happen in, oh, Contagion, Contagion. That's the oh, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, I haven't Contagion. seen it. Contagion. So the reason that cont- when people are now watching Contagion and they think, wow, how did, <laughs> this, this is pretty close to what we've experienced. The reason that it's that close is because the filmmakers asked scientists to advise them. And the scientists said, well, we'll advise you, but if we advise you, you've got to put it in as it is. You know, we, we don't want to get involved in something which isn't accurate. And that's why it, it, it so plays out what mm. we're now all too familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's um, a, a big reason for that is it's hard to... Um, to give money to something that hasn't hasn't happened yet, as in as in like the go- uh, the government might think, well, we're fine now. 
Why, yeah. why do we need to put all this money into like having a, having a system to deal with a, a virus? Uh, it's a lot easier to be reactionary. Um, yes, you're, you're dead right. And isn't, isn't it exactly the same with the climate emergency? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, you know, so that, yeah. So anyway, um, loved talking to you. We're, we're over time. Uh, that always happens, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so I'm going to be very interested to hear what um, Tony's views are on our, our discussion. And of yeah. course, what uh, to our listeners, we're very, very, very interested in your feedback on anything we're discussing here. Thank you for listening. And if uh, you could tell us what you'd like us to, things that you give us suggestions as to what you would like us to talk about um, and what you would perhaps like us to do differently, we're very open to feedback, positive or negative. Um, and our YouTube channel is now open and we've been getting some uh, great feedback on that so you can go and see us recording these episodes as live as you can tell they are very unscripted <laughs> uh, anything whatever happens happens um and uh it goes out warts and all uh, with no editing um, no things flying across behind my head or anything like that uh, no dramatic effects it's just us talking and sharing our views We'd like to hear your views. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thanks all. See you next time. <laughs>